0: back to your early questions about why audience was so exciting to me this vision of being able to find an artist early on you know stake some sort of financial asset to them and share in their shared success mm-hmm. is such an incredible premise I mentioned like I started out my career in music as a curator you know I think there's a lot of people out there that have been able to find great music very early on and they don't have anything to show for that yep but with music nfts it's very early right now but my belief is this is the first opportunity for us to be able to actually see true financial return on that experience mm-hmm. and that is sort of a design space is exactly why i think this is going to be a huge huge market in the years to come
1: and they did put me on welcome back to put you on radio i got cooper trooper here so cooper turley welcome to the show thank
0: you man Pleasure thank to you be here. for
1: thank you for sitting down with me man because I, I think we met we met at the catalina wales solana event i actually asked you like if you had any projects you wanted to like maybe share that i could talk about on put you on radio mm-hmm. and you're like dude you ever do interviews and i was like yes sir so now we're here irl and uh, and we're about to get it, bro. I'm
0: excited for it. Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on that we could talk about this for hours. I'm really excited just to dive in and really just give a lay of the land. Yeah, you know, what's on my radar. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, people can walk away from this episode with a little bit deeper understanding of Web3 music, music NFTs, crypto, and creator economy. Kind mm-hmm. of everything in that intersection is where I'm spending most of my time these I days. Oh
1: yeah, because like you know, um, I would say one of the most influential people on Twitter when it comes to this music NFT stuff, like. You built a great following. You're you're very knowledgeable. You give a lot of insight daily. I'm learning with the audience as well. Um, I've given the last maybe eight months or so really diving into all this. So uh, talking to people like you is just you know obviously how I how I grow as well. So um, I guess as a web three tastemaker, right? You were featured in Time Magazine, MSNBC. So they talked about how you were getting you know first getting into crypto in general, right? So let's take it back to when you were in college. You're at Boulder, right? Yep. UC, see you Boulder. Yep um yeah take me take me into like just you getting into crypto in general
0: yeah absolutely so at that point in time i was studying music business you know mm-hmm. i'd obviously found a passion for myself in music mm-hmm. i was struggling financially to be able to pursue that full time you know it was a creative passion of mine but it didn't really pay the bills and so mm-hmm. in one of my classes my professor talked about this idea of smart contracts so he explained cool. in the royalty system today when i stream your track it takes a very long time for you to get paid i oh, said yeah. with this new technology and with smart contracts if i stream your song you can get paid in real time there's no human interaction
1: it's all technology so this is back in 2017 yeah really yeah. okay and then so this was like before you're even into crypto at all or was it like mostly when you're in music and then this kind of brought you into crypto
0: it brought me into crypto really i had heard about it from some like more nefarious ways to use crypto but uh-huh. i never really dove deep on it and then when i kind of heard that i was like okay maybe there's something worth checking out here and as i started to peel away the onion i saw that there was this vibrant community of people just like researching crypto full time like this ecosystem on twitter Mm -hmm. and i've been very into curation for a long time Mm -hmm. you know starting with like pokemon cards and then doing (sighs) music discovery from this song is sick and then i saw this kind of crypto space as a new sector to curate and that immediately just jumped out to me
1: cool and then so let's take a step back one step back before college, I guess. Like, what was it like growing up? Were you like you're from Pennsylvania, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me about like high school. Like, were you into music? Were you into sports? Like, what was that like for you?
0: Yeah, both. I was playing basketball. Captain um, okay. of my varsity basketball team, but I was also going to a lot of concerts on the side. Okay. So I had one yeah. friend group that was very much sports oriented, and another one that was very like culturally, you know, creatively focused. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to shows together, a lot of like dubstep and jam band shows and stuff. Cool. And uh, <laughs> you know, I love sports, and I you know had a great time playing them. But I kind of quickly saw I'm not going to go professional Uh or make a career out of it same and so when i was going to college i kind of made a decision to just follow that creative intuition you know Mm -hmm. went out to colorado and at that point in time none of my friends were going there but i heard about red rocks and kind of the Mm -hmm. electronic scene that was out Mm -hmm. there and it just felt good you know it just was an intuition and so i took a leap of faith and um i think it treated me really well
1: yeah man it's funny because i was a baseball guy in high school um and then when i got out of high school uh, i quickly realized that you know i wasn't probably going to go pro i was i was a decent like i was like second team honorable mention type stuff for baseball nothing crazy um so i kind of switched my thing into like sports talk radio because i really Mm -hmm. wanted to be like on the radio and i want to talk about sports a lot and then it's funny because when i was doing all that um i started djing as well so that got me into music more and more and then i realized that i wasn't as into the whole like sports broadcasting world as much as i was into music yeah so i started making djing a priority um curating like playlists and stuff but I wasn't like promoting anything at that time yet. Yeah. So like, yeah, same thing with me. We're like, kind of college was a point where I kind of like realized like who I was as a as a person, where my real passions were, and more more realistic expectation for myself. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, let's get to so see you Boulder. You you mentioned a little bit about like, you interning and everything like that. Like you were uh, what was what was your internship like when it came to music specifically? Was it was a tour marketing? Is that what you were doing?
0: Yeah, that was the yeah. most like professional internship I had. Mm-hmm. And so I was working at Seven S Management for the span of a couple of weeks. It was very right. short lived, but just getting to see what the industry looked like, like deeply on the inside. Mm -hmm. And to give an extremely simplified version, I was checking emails, looking for tour dates, putting that into a spreadsheet and just like basically data Mm -hmm. manual entry. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I was really adding a lot of creative value. Outside of that, I was doing journalism. I was doing curation. I was finding new music and helping to put artists on. Uh I was also doing DJing and a little bit of event promotion and artist management. And, you know, when I kind of stepped into like an industry job, I quickly realized like it wasn't For me, you know, it just felt very mechanical and Mm -hmm. it felt like I could just be automated. Mm -hmm. And so I just removed myself from that. I was like, yo, I'm going to like keep music as a part of my life. But, you know, as far as being able to pay the bills with like an industry job, I don't think that's going to be the path that I ever take.
1: Were you ever like thinking about being an agent at all? Was that ever like uh, something you were looking into?
0: Less agency, more like booking artists or shows that Talent i was putting on industry. yeah, yeah. Cool, or cool. just artist management just working directly with acts directly
1: yeah i was actually i was trying to be an agent um i actually got a job at apa in beverly hills cool it's like my first industry job and i like told the story before but like um r- two days before my first day i had my suit and everything and, like i was like i'm gonna be in the mail room at an agency mm-hmm. and then covid happened and they called me i was actually at this location when they called me they're like hey we're closing the office down in, on Mondays, like on, on Saturday. Yeah. And, uh, or Friday. And they were like, yeah, like you can't, you can't start yet. And then I just was checking in every month and I was like, cool. How can I like stand out from the other people who were trying to, um, compete maybe for, maybe there was like 10 spots for mailroom and now there's only, only be three because of COVID. Yep. How could I be one of the people that they like maybe realize is working hard? So then I started posting my playlist and building my playlist, which really got me into like the whole put you on playlist network in general. Yeah. And then now now, like full circle due two years later, like the whole the, the platform and everything and, and the and the business and everything is going now, so like that's like a crazy start to like what I was doing, and where it came like i have a passion project out of covid so pretty crazy. But yeah, that's like, I was going to be an agent maybe, but um, but yeah, my my uh, direction has, <laughs> has changed a little bit. I like that. That was um, actually
0: very similar to my uh, music directory as well. You know, SoundCloud was what was popping in like 2013. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Then you got a little bit more into like the YouTube network on getting things like Trap Nation. Uh-huh. Um, then Spotify started to become way more prevalent. And so I think curator mm-hmm. networks become really popular. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like Web3 is kind of that next chapter. Yeah. And to really underscore yeah. your point there, the biggest thing that I realized with music and crypto was the music industry is very fixed in its ways. You know, like you can climb up the same ladder for many years and make very little progress, but if you step outside the box and learn about a new vertical, in Mm -hmm. this case, something like NFTs or crypto, Mm -hmm. I was able to just go around the club and go into the back door. Yep. You know, and like that opportunity to really just like step outside of it, look at the industry objectively for what it was and not get caught up in all the social drama. Uh It allowed me to still pursue my love for music. I go to concerts all the time as Uh we were talking about before this, but now have this like specialized skill set that's very distinct from a lot of other people in the industry
1: right because like so so you were like getting really into music and everything you went from this song is sick um to colorado Blo- colorado blockchain right mm-hmm. there was like a couple agencies that i worked for
0: but at the end of the day it was just me doing community management i was just mm-hmm. going on angel and finding projects that wanted to just do crypto and be like hey i'm this young kid out of school but i mm-hmm. think i know what's happening here mm-hmm. i spent all my time on it like let me provide you context uh-huh. so like these are the websites to be on very similar to like blog culture with music Here's the sites to be listed on. Here are the people to be interacting with. Mm-hmm. Here are the do's and don'ts. Here are mm-hmm. some other projects to keep an eye out for. And that sort of knowledge allowed me to go from just being like speculator, just like trading tokens, doing ICOs, to then starting to travel the world as a community manager. Okay, so sick. I would go to like Singapore for a consensus event. You know, represent one of these projects on Angelus, but really just be there to learn and network. You know, no way. and be like, what's the what's and what the year is this here? in? Probably 2017. This 2017? is like 2018, actually.
1: So this is like right when like crypto, was, st- people were getting, you know, very skeptical about crypto because yeah. the crash happened and yeah, everything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. How did did you get into Colorado Blockchain in general? Were you applying for a position? Did you like, was it something through your school? Like
0: Yeah, it was through school. Okay, cool. My friend Kieran uh, just had this awesome club of a uh, crypto club, basically. Oh, cool. I had <laughs> a couple of homies that were just kind of like interested in crypto. And when I went there, it was fun to talk about it. You know, I think the biggest thing that set me apart at that club in particular was, outside of just buying the tokens and speculating which everyone was doing i was like what does a job in crypto look like Mm -hmm. like focusing on that question Mm -hmm. so doing things like writing white papers doing Mm -hmm. marketing doing community management you know all the bitch work that no one wanted to do because it wasn't as (laughs) fun exactly i was like i think there's something here yeah you know it's a lot easier to go and ask your homies like what what are we buying this Uh week uh but it's harder to like get in the weeds and like sit with the founder and be like okay what are we actually trying to portray here Mm -hmm. and so i was bringing projects to the club and some of my earliest you know partners and the people who i still work with today they came out of that CU Blockchain Club. You know, I was bringing projects to the door and be like, who wants to work on this with me? A couple
1: select few showed some initiative and we've been working together in Web3 ever since. That's what I'm saying. Like when it comes to college, right? Everybody's like, oh, I'm not going to use anything that I learned in class in the real world and everything. But dude, like the people you meet and the connections you make is everything in college. That's why it's always like, people are like, oh yeah, I'm just going to do online school like for college. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But like do online school, but still like try to move to a city where there are people like you with like-minded individuals in things that you can be influenced by right for me like i moved into a house with these guys and they were doing events and music stuff when i was doing my sports uh broadcasting and so i realized that you know being around certain people really changes a lot of trajectories for yourself so like that is what i think is the most important thing about college so like back back when you're doing all this right you're balancing kind of music and crypto separately like were you ever trying to combine those things like think think of a way like how, how can i bring both of these like loves that I have for these two different industries like together because at that time like music and crypto weren't as connected as they are today no. right so like was that on your radar at all back then?
0: I was looking for it but I wasn't trying to force it I mm-hmm. think the interesting part was the friends I was talking about crypto too happened to be my music friends Okay, so fair. people like you know the homies at Trap Nation for example we were talking about trading a lot Um I was able to sort of step up a degree in the music industry because I was doing crypto mm-hmm. but it was never like the conversations were about music crypto it was just like music people talking about completely degenerate shitcoins you (laughs) know (laughs) and for a very long period of time there i think it was just staying up on like whatever the recent trend was Mm -hmm. and now in the past year or two i think you know we'll get here eventually but this is where the two things have really started to click together Mm -hmm. and that was kind of the aha moment for me of being like this Mm. is something i really want to start doubling down on Mm. because there now is real products and services built around this one hyper specific niche
1: exactly right yeah and it seems like you're really diving into that because i see you all the time like you know good morning to the people who are believing in music uh, and web 3 right so um it's, it's cool, man. So so let's talk about DAOs for a second. Right. So I actually, you know, um, my, when my big research like was going on a few months ago is when I was really actually introduced to DAOs in general. But you worked for a DAO back in 2019, was it? Yeah. So, you know, was it just being in the space that got you into DAOs, or like what what was that experience like, like first getting your foot in the door in that in that area?
0: DAOs are kind of like crypto native companies, except they're a lot more fluid. And so mm-hmm. you don't have to get like hired for a fixed annual amount or like a monthly commission or anything. You mm-hmm. just kind of poke in and do the work that you want. And so I was going to a lot of these conferences as I mentioned to you. Mm-hmm. And as I started to get closer to the Ethereum developer conferences, I noticed the same sort of crew rocking in there. You know, as kids like my age, like it was 24 at the time. You know, we were all traveling around the world. We all had this shared ambition of, like, how do we take crypto mainstream? Mm -hmm. And so I fell into this DAO called MetaCartel, which was a grant-giving DAO for consumer applications. Nice. So if you were building, yeah, a product, basically, to try and get new users on board, you know, we were giving people, like, $1,000, $2,000, nothing crazy. But it just allowed me to have, like, a family, you know, Mm -hmm. and just, like, a sense of community. Mm -hmm. And from MetaCartel, I started doing a lot of work through Raid Guild, which is, like, a service guild. And basically just started to figure out, like, how do I work? with the best crypto companies and do that through, like, a lens that feels really, like, oriented. Nice, and those first right. DAOs gave me sort of the social capital to be able to say, like, hey, like, you know you can trust me because I'm affiliated with other people that have been in the space for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we share the same missions to help mm-hmm. project this to the next level.
1: Cool. Yeah, I think the first DAO I heard of was Friends with Benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought it was super cool how everybody could be connected and have a voice and everything like that. Like, when it comes to DAOs, like, what do you think is your favorite part of it? Is it, is it the... Um, the transparency is that everybody gets a voice like what about DAOs excites you the most
0: just a sense of belonging you oh, know when okay. you hold an asset that everyone else holds you have mm-hmm. a sense of purpose and union with those community members that you can't really explain mm-hmm. elsewise you know
1: mm-hmm. right on um and then the, all of this leads up to audience right yeah. so now you're an advisor at audience where it really this is like the intersection of music and web3 in its purest form one of the first projects that i heard when it came to web3 music as well so now you're an advisor there right like what was the, um, the kind of like the process of you finally coming onto the advisor board there? Yeah. So I was doing a lot
0: of crypto work for Web3 companies launching tokens. And so I was doing a lot of on-chain governance for DeFi protocols like Aave and Balancer, uh-huh. doing cool. token launches for teams like Gitcoin. Um, you know, I had just started FWB DAO. And so through this sort of Metacartel ecosystem, I was in this thing called Metacartel Ventures, mm. which was an investment DAO. And Ronil, the CEO of Audius, also happened to be... A member of that. All right, cool. Yeah, and so like I said before, (laughs) there was this shared social capital of like, okay, we know that we're both kind of trusted because Mm -hmm. we're in this group together. He was like, hey, we're thinking about doing this uh, audio token launch. And I had been following the project for a long time since they put out their white paper. And uh, instead of thinking of that as like a consulting arrangement, which Mm -hmm. is what I kind of had with these other projects, I was like, no, I really want to like get deep in this. You know, Uh like I love this vertical. Like Uh this is a really exciting one for me. It has a lot of tie-in. And so I really doubled down. And that was kind of my first time going from like, Freelance contributor to really like joining as a, a part of the team for like a mm-hmm. span of like, let's call it three to six months where I was mm-hmm. like in the slack every day going to monthly to weekly standups. Mm-hmm. And the sole purpose of my joining was to help launch the token. Mm-hmm. That was like the core objective. But then more broadly, crypto strategy was kind of the, you know, umbrella that I was poking around for a long time as we launched that and kind of got that out the door.
1: And so was the token aspect, was that what got you really excited about the project or like what were some of the things that you found out right in the beginning stages that you were like, oh, dude, I really want to be involved. Like this looks sick.
0: Just the intention on curation, you know, Mm -hmm. and I had been so big on SoundCloud and Mm -hmm. felt that so viscerally that this kind of just felt like such a novel use case. Yeah. You know, I keep coming back to the idea of these SoundCloud artists could have owned the network when they were creating such a name for themselves, it would have changed their lives exponentially. And that's not to say that they're not well off. Many of them have very prominent careers Mm -hmm. now. But, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to build a platform from the ground up where if you do make it such a sentimental part of Mm -hmm. like an industry, you know, you being able to capture that ownership that was so clearly defined, not only in like the reading that you would like see on a public blog from audience but talking to the founders yep. they just felt that very wholeheartedly and that was such a no-brainer for me to be like yo like i really want to help any way i can just getting word out about this
1: yeah so i, I kind of see a lot of people describe Audius as like the sound cloud of web3 right yeah how would you describe audience to somebody who i guess hadn't heard it in like i guess layman terms or something quick
0: yeah i would say it's a web3 music streaming app you know it's an ability for people to listen to music through a crypto-based platform without ever having to know that crypto exists under the hood You sign in with an email and a password. Mm -hmm. You basically are able to have a wallet, but you don't need the wallet to do anything. There's great music on there. And under the hood, what's happening is all these artists are accumulating basically on-chain data to be able to earn future value in the form of tokens that are ownership in the network.
1: Got it. Got it. They're doing such a good job at like, I think bringing, I think music is what's going to bring so many people to Web3. Agreed. So, so I think the audience being like a big name in the space, really cool that you're advising for them. And I mean, the advising board is, is pretty legit. I mean, talk about like other guys, like to name a few, Dead Mouse, RAC, Blau, the Twitch co-founder, Justin Khan, Avicii's former manager, Ash Parnori, like just to name a few, like, like how has that like experience been with the co-founders Renil and Forrest? They're incredible.
0: You know, their leadership is phenomenal. And the reason I was so excited to get really in the weeds with them was to see how to lead a team. Mm -hmm. You know, like up until that point, my role with a lot of these projects was touch base once a week, Mm -hmm. have a very set objective around a governance proposal around a token launch, let them go and do their own thing. You know, with Audius, I was really able to get into the weeds and see what it means to build out a team from the ground up. You know, they had both come from very prominent backgrounds. Ronil was a venture capitalist beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um, Forrest had an exit with his last company. And so these guys had experience building Mm -hmm. companies in a very Mm -hmm. serious way. Mm -hmm. So I knew when I was getting involved, I was like, this is going to be extremely successful. I just want to have a stake in it. And I think that there's a lot to learn here. And the position that opened up for me was so perfect that it just felt like a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. And I mean, even taking that a step further, it's kind of what led me to moving out here to L.A. Really? In those conversations, I was starting to recognize... I'm spending a lot more time with creatives i was working with rec on his social token mm-hmm. you know the DeFi we, summer crushed
1: it by the way on that yeah oh,
0: man yeah the DeFi summer wave had kind of passed a little bit and so it was kind of more now like a creator economy focused lens and that was kind of my ability to go from philadelphia where not a lot was happening you know extremely during the pandemic mm-hmm. to going i'm just going to send it to la you know mm-hmm. and i think i'm going to be around more creators and i don't know mm-hmm. what that's going to look like but probably the best
1: decision i've ever made cool man yeah dude renewal i mean do you yeah, Renew and force i've heard such good things about those guys like just people, not even only Web three, but just in the music space. Yeah, talk super highly of those guys. So that's that's cool. That and then yeah, so because the, the, they're obviously in L A. Like you were like, dude, there's starting to bec- meet more and more people out in L A. That I'm trying to get involved with. Like that was like the easy choice for you to to, to finally get out of here.
0: Yeah, it made sense. You know, I was looking for where do I want to spend the next like let's call it three to five years of my life, mm-hmm. and seeing myself working on some more creative projects mm-hmm. that just made. I just had an intuition. You know, mm-hmm. I've never really been here before. Um, Audius had a house here, but they weren't really like based here anymore. Yeah. It just kind of felt like this is the spot to be for music and creative culture. And as I'm starting to spend more time on these projects, you know, I think this is just the right spot to spend my time.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I feel like the the Web3 community in LA is just, is massive and there's so much support for it. I mean, you see all these projects popping up and having like IRL events and that just from what I've seen, they've been, they've been successes. Like what are some of the cool events that you've been doing lately, I guess, in the in the Web3 space?
0: There's a lot of stuff happening around creator economy here. So, I mean, the after party guys are doing a great job bringing people out and educating them on stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, the Solana community had this hacker house last week, which I thought was fantastic. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because my favorite part of LA probably has nothing to do with the crypto side of things. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's the fact that everyone is so talented in their own right from just like a creator economy perspective. They have a lot of followers. They have a big fan base or Mm -hmm. something. And me having the opportunity to go to them and say like, hey, here's the new world Mm -hmm. and really just like help translate what's happening Mm -hmm. and really just see like what are the things that these people are not picking up. You know, it's really easy in Web3 to just get so far down the rabbit hole that you forget that MetaMask is extremely difficult to use. Mm -hmm. You know, setting up a wallet sucks, (laughs) using OpenSea sucks. And so having these conversations with people and just seeing where they get stuck. It helps reinform you know where you're spending your time, and I think uh, over time it'll make crypto a lot easier
1: to use for the masses. Yeah, man, I'm so inspired by people out here in LA. Like, it, I used to when I used to visit LA. I lived in Santa Barbara, proud of this. I was so inspired when I came back from a trip to LA. Just like I would literally like go, I would like close the door to my room and like get to work on something because I was so inspired. Like, there's mm. so many people doing cool stuff out here. Like, people I met in general were cool. Like, so yeah, I I totally feel you about that. I love living here. Like. People always ask me, are you going to move out? I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm pretty cool in LA. Yeah. I like it. I'm in Santa Monica, so um, anything about the beach, I'm good with. So. Yeah. Um, but we talked about, you, you mentioned the Solana um, Hacker House. Um, Audius is built on Solana, right? So can we talk about Solana? And I, I think it's really useful for Web3 Music because of, like, obviously low transaction costs and everything. And so um, a company, like, built on Solana, right, like Audius, it's much more realistic that you can, you know, sell low-price items like albums or songs, like, from what we're used to right like a song being usually like two dollars on itunes or like you know ten dollars a month for for spotify or apple music um but i think that solana makes a whole bunch of sense for web3 projects for music and specifically um yeah like do you think that the future is bright for solana and web3 music yeah absolutely i think that solana and more broadly um
0: these other blockchains are really good for creator focused use cases Mm -hmm. so things like the long tail of collection selling nfts for five dollars with low transaction fees It makes perfect sense. And a
1: good entry point for a lot of people. Yeah. And to Mm -hmm.
0: clarify there, so Audius started out on Ethereum. Staking still lives on there. The token still lives on Ethereum. The content storage system is now living on Solana. And sort of when you're streaming all these different tracks on the platform, that's what's happening on Solana under the hood. Got it. And I think the reason for that hybrid model is, you know, Ethereum has a lot of liquidity. It has a lot of community and market share. And it's this really powerful ecosystem. But it just doesn't do well for sort of... You know in the case of audio six million monthly users people streaming tracks every second mm-hmm. if you want all of this to be on chain you need to find alternatives mm-hmm. and so what i'm really excited about um, metaplex which is the nft protocol on solana has really been just experimenting with like what does this look like to allow creators to more easily distribute nfts at scale Got it. and i think that concept of whether it's music photography collectibles whatever it might be having an ecosystem where you can mint nfts for five dollars and have meaningful secondary market activity mm-hmm. around that mm-hmm. that to me is a really fascinating design space and one that i think is going to see a lot of traction in years to come
1: cool and what was the plan all along for audios to start on ethereum and then transition to some things on Solana, or did it kind of just happen like as this, as uh, Audius grew do you know
0: it kinda happened as Audius grew So Audius originally was built on a POA network and it ended up taking out basically ninety five percent of the transactions <laughs> on that chain every day. Oh, no. And so you could think of it just consistently hitting a ceiling. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, we don't really care where we're gonna go, we uh-huh. just wanna go where the best tech exists. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, Solana was starting to come into the picture. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I will say the thing that I've really respected about Solana is how vocal and outward they are with sort of onboarding and partnerships, you know, and they're like they're very forward about being like, We want to work with you. Here's a developer team, here are resources, like come and build on our protocol. Mm -hmm. And I think Ethereum is great for a ton of reasons, which I go on forever. But if you're someone new coming into Ethereum today, you're not going to find anyone from the Ethereum team giving you any help. You know, like you got to kind of figure your own stuff out. That's not to say that everyone on Solana forever is going to have like the core team support. But (laughs) right now there is sort of a very forward thinking mentality of if you are a high profile project with a lot to offer that ecosystem they will go out of your way and i felt this myself personally cool. to give you the resources you need to make something work on that platform got you
1: yeah like and you mentioned some earlier like in general like what are what are some other web3 music projects that you're getting excited about i see you pretty active on twitter you posted that huge list of uh, you know web3 music projects like are any in particular like catching your eye lately or anything
0: yeah absolutely and so for people listening it's called the music nft landscape i would highly recommend going to check that out Mm -hmm. i have a map that has about 35 different music nft projects and then super clutch thank you and more specifically too it goes into what music nfts are Mm -hmm. and you know after we talk about platforms let's dive into what that looks like but the ones that are really on my radar right now Catalog, which is a one of one NFT marketplace mm-hmm. for music. Mm-hmm. So this is the first marketplace designed solely to collect music. Yeah. You know, you have OpenSea, SuperRare, Foundation, all of these NFT marketplaces, but there was never a focus specifically on music. Right. And so being able to collect the sound, I think, was a big unlock there. Um, sound XYZ has been absolutely crushing it. You can think of this as like a drop platform for a new song. Mm-hmm. People come and stream a track of yours and then you have comment slots, which are 0.1 ETH each. Mm-hmm. And artists are really using this as sort of like a launch pad to release new music and have, let's call it, 25 to 100 fans come and collect an edition of that. Mm -hmm. And I think why that's important is whereas Catalog started off with one of ones, additions are getting closer to that long tail collection where you can collect NFTs at lower price points. And I think that's really important for community building. Mm -hmm. The uh, last one I'll call out, I could talk about a million. (laughs) Um, Royal and what Blau's doing over there is really, really incredible. You know, collecting music NFTs that have a claim on ownership, I think is Mm -hmm. very forward thinking. Mm -hmm. And so you have an NFT that has a claim on master rights, and then over time, I think that's going to develop into having a claim on more than just like the streaming performance of a song. Got it. And so that kind of focus on not only collecting um, royalty based NFTs, but also being able to collect at lower price points. Mm-hmm. Royal is using mm-hmm. Polygon under the hood. Mm-hmm. And so their prices for these NFTs are $50, $100, you know, maybe up to 1000 And low gas fees. Yeah. yeah. So you're seeing people being able to go and buy with Ooh. a credit card at a cheaper price point. And I think that access point for a lot of people new to music nfts is
1: extremely extremely important right reduce friction yeah i talked about um i talked about uh mint songs talked about xyz talked about royal and i talked about catalog as well in my last episode so i love that um, i love that you like those projects as well um what makes one music nft more valuable than another would you say
0: i would say it's the artist' degree of success within web3 okay. and i use that term very specifically because You can be a huge artist on Spotify and not perform extremely well in Web3 if you're not active in that community. You know, there's the opportunity for you to tokenize a really iconic SoundCloud track or Spotify track Mm -hmm. and to have sort of some brand sentiment to it. But I think right now, you know, at least in my personal opinion, I'm looking to collect from artists that have an understanding of what Web3 is, and they're really trying to direct their career to have a heavy emphasis on that. Got it. It's one thing to tokenize your song when it releases. It's another thing to be educating your fans on what's happening, to really think about the way that that plays a role into your artist project. You know, things like having a community treasury and fan mm-hmm. governance and tokenized fan clubs. Mm. And so, um, you know, at its core, I think that a music NFT is valuable based on the success of a song. But I think the success of a song is now shifting from how many plays does it have on Spotify to how many secondary
1: sales does this have in Web3? Crazy. It, we're, we're at sort of crazy inception point to all this happening. Like, it's like literally like... Th- it's happening before our eyes, like the first of its kind for you. You hear about so many drops, like any drops recently that you've been involved with, like you scooped up any drops recently.
0: So there's one today uh, called Relics from Monster Cat. I'm really excited about this one. It's a music NFT based project. Mm-hmm. And they're PM, doing right. Yeah, they're yeah. doing evolving rarities. And so you mm-hmm. collect a music NFT that starts out as, um, you know, a basic rarity, let's call it. And then as that song performs well on all of the different platforms, it upgrades in rarity up until the point when it's like you know a diamond let's call it right let's say yeah a diamond no way and so there's been a couple like pfp projects i've been collecting you know um big fan of doodles and what they're doing there The clonex stuff has been awesome i've been trying to really just like double down on tokenized music because Mm -hmm. i think it's so niche specific Mm -hmm. that it's like there's so much nuance to be figured out that um it's crazy you listen you can get lost in minting (laughs) nfts Yeah. yeah and it's really fun and you can make a lot of money off of it but i think to a certain degree you just kind of plateau in terms of a learning curve and where i'm trying to spend most of my time is working directly with founders building platforms for tokenized music and working directly with artists that want to tokenize their music to have more bespoke solutions to actually do that
1: yeah artists yeah there's so many cool artists like who are some of the coolest i guess some of the artists that you think are really crushing it right now in web3 music NFTs, all that
0: i'm working really closely with this act named Tyco. they're like an ambient electronic music act and they've started out their career as a designer turned musician and so we okay. started with sort of tokenized visual work. So things like his photography, his cover arts. We're now building a mint on demand site where you can go to his website and just mint a show poster directly off the site. I like it. And then moving forward, thinking about doing that with tokenized music. Mm-hmm. Um, a really close friend of mine, Daniel Allen, we did a crowdfund for his EP, Overstimulated. Oh, yeah. You know, this was an up and coming artist with not a huge following prior, but he's mm-hmm. really solidified himself as a leading Web3 act. And I think, like I said before, you know, his secondary sales and music NFTs have been crushing it because people don't care how the track's performing on Spotify. They only care about how active you are in web 3 and so you see him in all these twitter spaces you see him actually selling out on sound every single mm-hmm, time and mm-hmm. you know having a lot of sales on catalog and you know that kind of holistic approach of like i'm just going to be active across all these different verticals and music nfts i think is a really core driver as to why one artist performs better in web 3 than another
1: yeah daniel allen um i mentioned him on the show before <clears throat> just a, such a cool example of like how artists like you were talking about just being active in the space being a voice like because the community of artists in web3 is much smaller obviously than the community of artists overall so you can still be a big force in the space no matter if you have 4,000 followers or 10,000 monthly listeners compared to somebody who has, you know, 100,000 followers and a million monthly listeners, right? It's all about, and I feel like people in general are supporting and uplifting a lot of these artists as well in the community. Like, do you see a lot of that happening? People really, really like loving just to support these artists and everything and just trying to be first in line and and kind of like helping these artists create this career for themselves?
0: Absolutely. I think there's less than 250 artists in the world doing Web3 very meaningfully right now. Mm -hmm. But if you go to SoundXYZ and you look at some of these drops, you're going to notice the same profile pictures from other artists on the platform that are mm-hmm. collecting
1: work from their right. fellow artists in yeah. this ecosystem i saw that i saw that that's, that's so cool man like um so like what do you think about some of the main what, what are some of the main blockers would you say um to music nft viral growth right so like general awareness like gas prices stigma like what do you think what do you think about that The easy answer is that we're not at a scalable point for
0: music NFT collection yet. You Mm -hmm. know, collecting a $5 music NFT from a prominent artist is not easy to do. Mm -hmm. There's platforms that allow you to do it, but I don't think that they're far enough along where a major act would want to entertain that conversation. Mm -hmm. I think the more important question here is people just don't think music NFTs are valuable across the board yet. You know, in the same way, we see a lot of secondary market demand for collectibles like PFPs, board Apes, for example. Uh We haven't seen one project like break that mold yet for music NFTs. And I think a reason for that, and this is like kind of a idea I've still been forming is music doesn't sound rare. It like, you know, you can see like looks rare when you see a gold crown or something right, like that. Right. But you know, like hearing rarity in music is a very weird concept. So wow. you almost have to like challenge that notion when you think about secondary market collection. And I don't think anyone's be able to crack, uh, quite crack that
1: code yet. That, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. Seeing a rarity is very, very easy to see. Like hearing one would be different because. Obviously, it's such a su- subjective thing, music, yeah. right? Like everybody's ear can be different, but yeah, really, that's actually a really interesting point. So, thanks for bringing that one up. A lot of
0: one more thing on there too, yeah. and
1: you know, Justin Blau is
0: incredibly vocal about this. So I want to give him a quick shout out, but mm-hmm. there is so much nuance around IP ownership of music. You mm-hmm. know, like you have songwriters, publishers, oh, yeah. producers, managers, labels. You know, like the,
1: the list goes on. I and thought so, this is the number one question too is like, how does how does the the publishing work? How does the song mechanical royalties work? Like, yeah, I know what you, mean. I know what you, yeah. Mean. And so that standard has yet
0: to be clearly defined. Right now, you're basically seeing independent artists operate in kind of like a free flow manner. Mm-hmm. Or if I sell an NFT for one ETH, it's kind of on me to distribute that to the collective owners of that um, copyright. And so I think we need better permission standards for on-chain royalty collection so that it's not trust-based on the artist, but we can mm-hmm. actually hard-code. You know, if a publisher is meant to have 5% of an NFT, that's like hard-coded into a smart contract. Yep. And this new medium of like, what is an NFC sale classified as? There's so many different interpretations of that. You know, the way I think about it right now is the same way as you're selling a digital vinyl and sort of like whoever would get a claim on selling the digital vinyl should get a payout from that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, people will give you a million different answers. And so Mm -hmm. I don't have the correct one yet. And I think that we're all still trying to figure that out.
1: Yeah. And I think it's evolving every day, man. So if you were and if you were like a new I say you were a new artist just starting to release music and everything, how are some of the reasons that you would incorporate NFTs into your music and your career?
0: The simplest answer is just tokenize your music. Find a way to give someone the ability to collect a version of your song as an NFT. Mm. You know, I think a lot of people get caught up in like, okay, what's the best access I can offer? What's VIP to my show? What does private mm-hmm. community access look like? Mm-hmm. Most people don't care. For me, like, I don't use that stuff 99% of the time. I just go and listen to a song. And if I think it's a great song, I'm Mm going to collect it. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of that experience. And that's Mm -hmm. all you need to worry about. Mm -hmm. And so finding a platform to do that, I think, is really important. I think finding a community to be able to channel that through is even more important. Mm -hmm. And so you have things like Song Camp, which is this incredible community of songwriters and producers. There's a weekly call at 1PST every Monday. You know, they're coming and making tracks together. And I think getting involved in those sort of deeper pockets of Web3, where you can start to build... A network around your capacity to tokenize music Mm -hmm. it goes really far because Mm -hmm. you know just dropping a song on Catalog or sound is obviously hard to do in the first place It's extremely curated right now Mm -hmm. But when you get to that point you need to be able to weave yourself into this wider narrative And so spending the time to affiliate with these other artists that we talked about Mm -hmm. you know I think is kind of the the missing link right now because I actually don't think it's necessary to try and get all of your fans to pay attention to what's happening most people don't care. Most people actually hate NFTs, which yep. I've come to learn a lot more about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you can sort of start with the artist around you as sort of the focal point, mm-hmm. you start to get more into this like SoundCloud collective feel where it's less about how many listens do I have broadly? And it's more about what is the strength of my one on one connections with the mm-hmm. other artists that are using Web3 every day?
1: Cool, cool. Yeah, I think like art, like collecting songs is something I'm, I'm going to be really bullish about as well there's projects like metacrate that are coming out Mm -hmm. where you can uh it's built on solana you can really you can collect songs when they drop if you are a crate holder so you like pay 0.808 soul for a crate and then when the drops come out right you can collect them and you can kind of curate your own like virtual record store almost Mm -hmm. yourself and so i think yeah collectible things like that because for me like i've talked about before i have posted about this like me i collect music in a playlist right i like collecting and curating music right so when it comes to like web3 for people like me who are curating right that i think is a really good opportunity for people who are in the same mindset as myself as like you know collecting music and showing other people what kind of music and showing um like your taste off and like kind of you know you can tell a lot about a person but from like the music they collect i would say so i think that's like the next step for curators so I'm, i'm i'm really really excited about that in this space as well
0: yeah, that I think is the biggest unlock for music NFTs is curation and mm-hmm. social stigma around music collecting. Mm-hmm. Right now, if I really love a song, I'll like it on Spotify. Mm-hmm. I might put it into a playlist, mm-hmm. but being able to have economic incentives around mm-hmm. that, I think it's really, really exciting. Yeah, man. You know, back to your early questions about why Audius was so exciting to me. This vision of being able to find an artist early on, you know, stake some sort of financial asset to them and share in their shared success mm-hmm. is such an incredible premise. I mentioned like I started out my career in music as a curator. You know, I think there's a lot of people out there that have been able to find great music very early on and they don't have anything to show for that. Yep. But with music NFTs, it's very early right now. But my belief is this is the first opportunity for us to be able to actually see true financial return on that experience. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of a design space is exactly why I think this is going to be a huge, huge market in the years to come.
1: Yeah, man. I, so a big question that people have been asking is like, so say that somebody who posts content about music, right, they could post a song on TikTok or Instagram And it could be from an artist that has 10,000 monthly listeners and 100 streams a day on that song. If the song is really good and that curator will post it or that creator will post it, that could shoot up to 20,000 streams, 30,000 streams a day, right? What there's not much economic incentive or, you know, put kickback for the creator for helping push that song out, right? Yeah. So there's like a whole question where it's like, all right, how can people get beyond just like the maybe maybe somebody could pay somebody a hundred dollars to post their song right yep. beyond that one hundred dollars there's no there's no you don't have any other skin in the game so yeah. i think exactly what we're talking about right now is really cool opportunity for artists and creators and the whole system itself to work together so I'm hyped. yeah
0: so i think music nfts are the precipice to creator stock markets and so right yeah. now you're collecting yeah.
1: tokenized versions of
0: songs i believe well that part. all artists will share a percentage of those royalties with the community treasury that community treasury will be used to create an artist token and that artist token will be airdrop and owned by fans mm-hmm. and so right now if i want to go and bet on an artist career i can't really do that you know like i can buy their t-shirt i can buy a concert ticket with music nfts we're getting closer i can buy this one specific output from that artist mm-hmm. but the end state that i'm really excited about is what does it mean to just bet on the entirety of an artist's career you know and have there be tangible value underpinning that mm-hmm. and i think the system of music nfts is a bedrock community treasury is sort of an asset creation pool mm-hmm. and then a governance token as like the means to be able to bet on artist career mm-hmm. like that's the north star that i think uh i'm shooting for with my work and that i think a lot
1: of other people are excited about cool bro yes dude i'm so glad you brought that up man um and then also when it comes to just step back from just artists, right? Producers. You talked about it earlier. Um, but let's touch about like how producers can get involved. Some people on Twitter were asking about like how a producer can start doing things. I know like Mim, a project, Mim is yeah. starting to do things where you can upload um sound packs and things on chain um what are other some like have you heard of other projects like in a space specifically for producers because i know a lot of people are going to be asking about that
0: there's a project called arpeggi that i'm really really excited about this Mm -hmm. is a web3 native dot so in the same way you have ableton arpeggi is the same thing but built entirely in web3 and so they right now have this global sample library that they're building out um you know my intuition and belief is that over time all samples will be tokenized if you want to use a sample you buy it as an nft Mm -hmm. and there's ownership rights associated with that Mm -hmm. there's uh this project called ghost of frank dukes which i think is really exciting this guy Frank Dukes is an extremely prolific producer. Mm-hmm. He collected or he started a PFP project and the intent there is to start this shared music library where people who own the NFTs have governance over how to use and distribute that. And so if you are a producer, I would really underscore Arpeggi as a way to start poking around with the tech. You know, mm-hmm. you can make a song in web3 and install that source file, you can add samples to that library. And then if you want to get more into a producer community, uh Ghost of Frank Dukes is fantastic and cool. as I said before, the Songcamp community has so many incredible songwriters and producers that yeah. I think you will absolutely find new people if you spend time there. Wow. That's cool. I, yeah.
1: Arpeggio, you said? Yep. Cool, man. And then, all right. And then also, um, on Twitter, I tweeted out, um, I was going to be sitting down with you. Some people who had some questions on, on Twitter. I was going to, you know, let's go through some of those real quick. So, um, samstory.eth, um, Sam White, it looks like, um, he asked you, how would you map out a strategy from zero followers to create a minimum viable community so that an artist can launch a project around themselves and fundraise their career?
0: It's a great question. I think it's very slowly with tokenization of each individual song. And even taking a step back from there, I would say you don't need to tokenize your own music to be able to start building a following in Web3. Mm-hmm. If you are someone with zero followers, I think it's more important for you to play an integral role in the formation and the evolution of an existing community and use that as leverage for your own project. So if you have zero followers and you go tokenize a song, it's very low likelihood that someone's gonna collect it, mm-hmm. maybe if you're lucky, but I think the more likely reality is if you spend time in a DAO, like Friends with Benefits, like Song Camp, like the water and music community, now you're gonna start making friends who are very educated in this world. And as you start to add value tangibly, you know, you don't come and just like consume the content, you actually go and take meeting notes or help with governance or do these other things. You're gonna learn a wide variety of skill sets that are gonna be applied to your own project. And you're now going to have backers that are like, okay, when this guy actually goes and launches his thing, Mm -hmm. I want to pay attention because I've seen him in the trenches doing this work consistently over and over again.
1: Yeah. Just be involved in communities. Right. Like, I think that's a great point. Um, because like we talked about earlier, like just being involved and being around people as well, like, like, you know, going to college and being around the people that can help you influence, right. Like being involved in communities. And I've seen like the Web3 community is so welcoming. So I feel like a great opportunity for artists as well to kind of like starting to you know meet more people online and like be involved in more DAOs and things like that so good point yeah i i I was curious about what, what you would say i'm glad that you took it to like towards the DAO approach
0: i'll add some more color there too so being involved in community is very different from just listening in twitter spaces you know i think that there's a lot of people out there right now that are like excited about music nfts and specifically here in la they'll go to a lot of these events i'll see them at the after party house and i'll see them going out to these dinners and stuff but getting involved really means getting your feet wet and getting like into the water. You know, like you yeah. can't just like listen to a space and expect yeah. people to come and collect your stuff. Mm-hmm. You need to go do the work that no one wants to do. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying with my story early on, I was writing white papers, right. I was doing community management. <laughs> exactly. I was modding these servers of like NPCs and stuff. And like, there's a lot of there's a lot of unsolved questions from a lot of these artists that are doing Web3 today that they just need manpower. Mm-hmm. They don't need you to be an expert in what they're doing. They just need your time. Mm-hmm. And so you going out and really just allocating five hours out of your week to doing community management for an existing creator DAO or an existing web three music community. Mm-hmm. It's going to do wonders for getting you just a lot more credibility in the space. And I think that will be direct leverage for your own future
1: artist project. Higher. And then what about, um, what role do you see? So yeah, sorry, sagrado.eth um sagrado the sound uh what he said what role do you see custom creator contracts like manifold xyz playing in the music nft space will nfts minted on branded custom contracts be inherently more valuable than nfts minted on marketplaces like OpenSea?
0: It's a great question i think everything's moving toward custom contracts the reality is understanding what a custom contract is is difficult to grasp for people who are new to web3 Mm -hmm. but if you think about it i would always have a tyco token over an OpenSea shared storefront token any day of the week and so as we made it easier to release tokens on custom contracts you know i think foundation's doing a fantastic job of this where Mm -hmm. it's a very clean ui you don't have to be a developer to get started um, it makes a lot more sense. And if you think about it in the same way that an artist uses a distributor mm-hmm. to be able to release music on Spotify, a custom car- smart contract is that, you know, it's like you being your own distributor and outputting all of your music NFTs through your own, you know, software, basically.
1: Got it. Yeah, no, super cool. And some good questions for sure. That was a great question. Yeah. Um, also, he came back and said, what makes you collect a music NFT from an artist that you've never heard of before? What boxes do they do? They need to be checked off before you decide to buy. Take us into the mind of a, a music NFT collector.
0: Great question. One is the song good. You yep. know, like I don't
1: look at like, what is your past sales history? How many
0: listeners do you have on Spotify? I'm just mm-hmm. like, do I really back this project? Mm-hmm. The first thing I'll do is listen to the song. If I like it, I'll open their Twitter account. I'll see kind of activity wise. What have they been following? You know, like what does their PFP look like? Mm-hmm. Um, who are the people they're following on Twitter, like what does their recent engagement look like? Mm-hmm. And from there I'll start to kind of form a thesis on like, do I believe that this person is actually serious about making Web3 a part of their career? If their answer is yes, there's a high likelihood I'll place a bid just to help kickstart them and get them off the ground.
1: No way. Cool. Okay, yeah. I think I think it, yeah, at the end of the day, like we can talk about, you know, value of this, value of that, like quality of, of the product, the song right there, like that's for me as well. Like when I hear a song and I like it, I'll add it to a playlist. Like you hear a song you believe in it do a little bit of research on the artist and then yeah you can find out what you think would be a good better or or what who you would want to support right yeah so cool um all right cool yeah so we're almost out of time um but i guess uh where can we like where can everybody keep up with you Uh, obviously koopatrooper.eth on twitter but i guess just plug your plug your socials and everything for people to follow up with you
0: yeah so twitter is where i'm posting the most about music nfts instagram is where i'm posting more broadly about like creator economy Mm -hmm. and just sort of like Early to understand Web3 trends, uh, mirror, Koopa mirror, xyz is where I post my long form content. Oh, wow. And so recently I put out a guide on Web3 creator onboarding. So if you are someone who has a following, let's call it Instagram followers, TikTok followers, Spotify fans, just like tips and tricks on how to get started. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are very misguided when it comes to jumping into Web3 as a creator. And so always just want to put out educational content about that. Um, there's a lot of podcasts that I've done on my page you can check out. And I'd say more broadly, if you go to my Twitter bio, I have something called alias in there. Mm-hmm. and that basically comprises all of my articles, all of my tweets, all of my YouTube shows, and
1: all of my interviews. No way. yeah, damn. well, well, thanks for the alpha today, but this is like one of the i've I've learned more just in this conversation that I think I've learned in in months, just in this space in general. So thank you so much for just being uh, down to come on uh, down to share all this experience with me and and with the audience. Um, and yeah, man. So I'll, I'll, I'll link all of your links in the description of the show. Um, so everybody can follow you there and uh, keep up with you and everything. But uh, yeah, I highly suggest everybody go and check out Koop. He's one of the, one of the brightest minds in the space. Obviously, from our conversation, you can tell. Uh, but thanks again for just sitting down and just being down to, you know, support guys like me, man.
0: Thank you. I look forward to listening back to this in a year and seeing how far this ecosystem has come. That's what I'm
1: saying, right? Yeah. A, I feel like right now we're like, oh, there's so much like, it's, it's kind of, the, everybody thinks the, the world is crazy in this whole space. I think the more and more it evolves, as the more and more people are going to be uh, getting get into it. And I think, like we said, music is such a good entry point for NFTs and, and Web3 that uh, I'm really excited, like I said, or like you said, in a year as well, to check back on, uh, on our conversation.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, man. This was a
1: blast. Yeah, man. Talk to you soon. And they did put me on.